This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. is now the ultimate power in the universe what is up scuttlebutt nation welcome to a very special all star wars edition of scarif live on this special date as you can tell from my shirt i am known in these parts as roe not martian i was here first damn it but uh <laughs> to my right is <laughs> my illustrious co-host brad uh how's it going long time no see buddy it is going very well. I am not in prison. Uh, don't worry about the walls behind me. Uh, everything is great here in Virginia and uh, happy to be back on and uh, love the guests that we have on today and ready to talk some Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. So this is a special date, May 5th. Um, I quickly want to say hello to everybody in the chat. Um, we got lots of friends in the chat. Thanks for showing up. All you bastard that celebrated Star Wars Day, that marketing Star Wars Day uh, earlier in the month, May 4th. May the 4th be with you um but um may the 4th uh that uh, was uh, everybody's special star wars day but i um i like to kind of cling to may 25th um I, what are your thoughts brad what's uh, yeah, what's your star think, wars day i think you and i are on the, on the on the same page on that one it's i mean episode four came out may 25th that's star wars day uh <laughs> may the 4th has has a nice ring to it and May the Sith be with you, or the the, the Sith, whatever that whatever is. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, those are all cool. Those are all you know, fun marketing things. But uh, real Star Wars Day is May twenty fifth for sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. A special day indeed. Whether you celebrate today or May uh, May fourth, uh, my Mexican has started to get in there. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> uh, Star Wars has remained a staple of uh, geekdom here, and uh, I'm pretty excited. Can't you tell? Yep. I mean, we, there's so many things. You know, going on Star Wars celebration, of course, Kenobi coming out. So it is again, once again, a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Absolutely. And uh, our special guest tonight is known all across the galaxy. Um, Brad, let me ask you when you type in and search top rated best Star Wars podcast, what do you think you get? Besides Scarif. No, no, no. Uh, Besides Scarif. Oh, oh yeah, because yeah, because yeah, that actually doesn't pop up. No, uh, Scarif. I, we're know. like we're like four sixty two, four thirty eight on a good day. Four thirty eight, man. We are just killing it. <laughs> uh, there might be a there might be a Rebel Force Radio that you might you might find. Absolutely, Rebel there. Force Radio has maintained that top distinction for many years, and I'm super excited. And uh, I want to bring him up, but I got to do it like they do it on the show. Put your hands together for your friend and mine, Mr. <laughs> Jimmy Mack. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, Happy how's it going? How's it going, Great, Jimmy? Man. I'm glad to be on the scuttlebutt finally. finally. After hanging with you, Ro, a few times. Absolutely. Both, uh, your um, your get-togethers with Dominic Pace and, yes. uh, and that Tony Lasano show is where yes, I met you. Right? That was a while yeah. ago. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tony's a good guy. And uh, we had fun with, uh, we did two of those, didn't we? Yes. And I don't even think you were Star Wars podcasting at that time. No, the first one I wasn't. The second time I was. But the uh -huh. first one, you know, obviously uh, sitting in that studio uh, was was very exciting. Um, <laughs> lots of Star Wars nerds. But thank you, Jimmy Mack, for uh, taking the time to uh, come on to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast here. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about our get-together, uh, ScarifCon, uh, in a little bit. But uh, thank you so much. This is going to be great. May the 25th be with you. May the That's 25th. Right. Well, you know, Brad is right. doesn't have that, that, that nice of a tone to it, uh, that nice of a ring like May the 4th. But mm -hmm. uh, still, you know, I, I got to wear the shirt today. So happy May 25th to you. You know, people want to debate May the 4th, May 25th. What is the real <laughs> Star Wars Day? All of that stuff is for mainstream folk. I think <laughs> in the Star Wars fan bubble, every day is Star Wars Day, pretty much. Amen. Absolutely. So it's it's not like we need an excuse on the calendar to uh, celebrate exactly. Star Wars. Yeah. My wife, you know, sometimes I'll put on a Star Wars shirt and she goes, oh, is, is, it spe is this a special day today? I'm like, no, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Um, I wanted to ask you guys, um, you know, longtime fans, uh, we are of the older crowd. Mm. Um, Brad always uh, likes to, I think Brad is the baby here, but. Um, that doesn't happen too often, so I'll take it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, you mentioned Tony Lozano. We were talking about our collectibles and things like that and things that we collect. I wanted to ask you, have you had any new collectibles uh, that you've uh, purchased lately? Jeez, not really anything of note. Oh, I went to Nashville for the ICC. Oh, con, yeah. And I picked up a vintage Darth Vader TIE fighter in the box, which is something I've wanted for a while. Very and nice. I passed up on it when I saw it at the Kane County Toy Fair a couple of years ago. And I was kicking myself for doing that. But the one I found in Nashville was better quality. It was in better condition and it was 70 bucks cheaper. So it pays oh. to wait some time. Very nice. So it definitely yeah, that's does. I, I, I'm really into collecting vintage stuff. Um, had all the boxes as a kid. I saved them. We never threw them away. But a natural disaster occurred when our sump pump failed mm. and uh, flooded the basement corner where all of those boxes were. Aye, Not only tragedy. those boxes, but the cardboard play sets like the Land of the Jawas. We even had the uh, Cantina, the, the really rare one from Sears with the blue snaggle tooth. We had that backdrop. Wow. All of that stuff toast. And so I'm trying slowly and steadily to replace those lost items. And uh, wow. Yeah, and so when I come across a good deal, it's hard to resist. And there were so many good deals in there. Sure. I was blown away. Oh, that's cool. Can I uh, give a tip here for those of you going to Star Wars Celebration? Uh, you know, Jimmy kind of said it. Uh, you're going to be uh, compelled because you're going to see all the vendors there at Star Wars Celebration. And every single thing is just going to light up in your mind like, oh, I have to have this. Look around all the vendors first before you buy anything at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, you're you're going to want to use, might be the first time you see some of these things, uh, but just take a good look around before you buy anything. You you know, it's great place to find some, some loot, but uh, there's some overpriced stuff there as well. So, you know, send yourself with a budget to Star Wars Celebration, have fun, but uh, take a look around before you purchase anything. I agree with that approach mostly. Mm. It is a double-edged sword because if you pass something up, True. Somebody. there is a chance it won't be there when you get back. True. Right. And that's a risk you take. But I, I, I do like to like really like rush through the aisles just one time to see if sure. there's anything, anything that really sticks out. And then I'll take my time going through them. Absolutely. What do you think of the advice? And we hear this a lot at C2E2 here in Chicago of waiting for the last day because the vendors don't want to pack stuff up and, and, and take, you know, the more they sell that last day, you can really count on some deep discounts. What do you think of that? Well, I, I hope so. Uh, traditionally, you see that, but um, I wouldn't say that's the case across the board anymore, sure. especially with a show in Anaheim where the table fees are probably a little bit more, especially mm. for a Star Wars centric show like this. They're probably paying a little bit more per table, so they don't want to um, throw away more profits than they've already invested in just being there. So, absolutely, again, double-edged sword. It's like you have to be in the right place at the right time, and right. Um, persistence does pay off. You know, you can start making your early offers at the beginning of the convention, mm -hmm. and then just keep coming back every day and keep hitting the same sure. guy with the same number. What uh, or or even like you know. <clears throat> raise it up just a little bit to meet him maybe or but still sure. stay within your budget yeah. and then by by the last day he'll be like <laughs> the persistence will have paid off because he's <laughs> like this guy's come around to my table four times this right. week i i, I they, they usually will give in plus as you say it's one last thing to pack up sure sure so don't be afraid to be a pain in the ass is what you're saying yeah yeah uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease <laughs> absolutely out of mine yeah so, you know, as you see behind me, I've got a lot of Star Wars collectibles. Yeah. You, you talked about, um, uh, you know, really holding on to that vintage stuff. I um, last year we recently sold my my well, recently last year, my uh, my family home, the, the house that I grew up in, um, mm. in the attic. I had all my Star Wars stuff. And now, um, you know, that house is gone. I had to kind of bring stuff oh my here, my, my production office, um, storage. 
-hmm. So I, I, I have all that stuff. And in this room, every wall is Star Wars. I've got a lot of Black Series, but I'm actually considering um, getting rid of a lot of the newer Black Series stuff and then putting up some of my vintage um, toys because I still have the boxes. I've got the Slave One box with the Slave One in it. I've got Hoth, the playset. I've got all that stuff. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Some of it, you know, I was a kid and I would like write my name on it. Yeah. Which, which kind of sucks, but still. Uh -huh. I, but, I, I, uh, I would put blue ink on the bottom <laughs> of their foot. So I knew which one was mine. Yeah. And I still have those figures with the blue ink on the bottom of the foot. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's when you grow up um, in that realm and obviously, you know, these vintage toys, uh, we didn't know that they were going to be in such high demand, uh, you know, many, many years later. I've got several stormtroopers with, you know, heads blown off or arms kind of bent or burned because I wanted to, you know, a, uh, you know, weather them and make them look like they were in battle. Um, but, you know, the, the evolution of our own fandom, I want to say that, um, you know, we're older fans, but I wanted to ask Jimmy and, and Brad, too, uh, to a degree. What has that changed? Has it lessened? Do you see less Star Wars fans coming into the mix more or the same? What? How, how, how do you think the fandom has evolved? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Now, obviously, with the film releases, that promotes new members of the fan base. You know, I mean, people become fans that way. Mm -hmm. I think The Mandalorian has done a lot to make casual fans more interested in star wars but i mean what level are we talking about here of a fan you know a, a fan who collects a fan who attends conventions and listens to podcasts a fan who reads all the comics and novels and tries to get as complete a story as possible there's all these different levels of fandom you could be a fan if you just saw the original film and and don't care about any of the rest of them you know um Star Wars is like the biggest entertainment franchise in the world, pretty much. Um, so it, it's hard to say because it's it's so universal, especially back when we were kids, like in the 70s. It's, it wasn't a question of whether or not you were a Star Wars fan. It was how big of a fan are you of Star right. Wars? Everyone sure. was a fan. So um, that, that's kind of a, a tough question. But I mean, like as far as bringing in maybe a younger fan base, um, it's hard to tell what connects with younger fans when they, when they, you know, siphon in entertainment, mm -hmm. they come, they come at it from different approaches, you know, like when we were growing up, um, being a video game fan really didn't open up the door for you being a Star Wars fan. It was kind of like the two were hand in hand. It was almost like video games came on the scene about the same time as Star Wars. And, and together they created like this synergy and you could see video games that were influenced by Star Wars. I mean, look at asteroids for crying out loud. Sure. That came out the same summer empire strikes back coincidence. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it, it's always funny to, to note that stuff, but there are some fans who get introduced into Star Wars via the video games, which was never a possibility when we were younger. Um, so that's a whole different avenue. Lego has been a great gateway for kids to sure. get into Star Wars. There's been a lot of attempts by Lucasfilm to attract a younger fan base. And I, you know, it's they're on shaky ground as far as that goes. I think they should just concentrate on making movies and stuff like that and leave attracting attracting younger fans via their animation which usually works i'm not talking about the youtube channel stuff that they do i'm talking about clone wars and rebels and bad batch uh bad batch has been a great gateway for some younger fans to get into star wars mm -hmm. or to rediscover star wars that's the case i'm finding with my kids is that they grew up with Star Wars. They saw the prequels in the theaters when they were released. And then they saw the sequels in the theaters, obviously, when they were teenagers. But now I find with, especially with Bad Batch, my younger son has gone back and rewatched all the prequels because when he saw them, he was a very little kid. And... You know, I mean, perspectives change as you age. And so he only could recall it from the through the lens of a little kid. And he, he said he watched prequels now and he sees it totally differently. Same thing with the Clone Wars. He would just, when he was a little kid, he would wait for 
action sequences and Ahsoka quips. And that's all that show meant to him. But now he's <laughs> grasping the larger mythology and the stronger character moments and things like that. And um, so it, it's when you have a franchise that's been around for 40 years, it, there's ebbs and flows and, and, and ups and downs. And, and we all see it and experience it. But I think Star Wars altogether is, is pretty consistent as far as attracting people to to it you know the the doors seem open for just about anybody to be attracted to something going on in star wars these days and i like it yeah Yeah. and there's so much star wars out there for i guess a wide gamut of ages like you mentioned the animation and some of the youtube stuff some of the more uh, like star wars resistance you know i watched it with my son and you know for me it was like "Eh, it's okay but for 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 little kids, it was like, oh, it's it's, it's interesting. You, you congratulations! You have presented to me the only little kid I've ever met who was into Star <laughs> Wars Resistance. As a matter of fact, it's like a handful of people I know who've actually seen Star Wars Resistance. Mm-hmm. See, I don't think it works when it gets dumbed down for kids. Mm. The original Star Wars wasn't dumbed down for kids, and that's right. why kids loved it so yeah. much. It has sure. to have a universal family appeal. I don't like these attempts to go after target audiences in star wars i like it to be broad universal and something anyone could grasp and find something and um yeah things like resistance i mean even the lego thing now the lego thing i think works because of the lego you know functionality of that it's a toy to begin with you think you're watching toys more than you think you're watching star Wars when you see those specials and video games and stuff. But, um, I think any other attempts to attract a youth audience undermines the integrity of star Wars. Star Wars is supposed to have something for everyone. It shouldn't be focused on little demographics. It should Mm. be, thinking big picture all the way and that's when it works the best that's when the original trilogy worked the best now the prequels obviously kind of came at things with a more um, wacky uh, slapsticky angle and i chalked that up to george lucas having a little boy in the house and i think he was he was tailoring star wars for the kid um but still there are universal themes and big pictures presented in the prequel trilogy that i think a lot of people can grasp onto sure you know when um when the last jedi came out or after the last Jedi came out there there was nearly an all-out civil war in the uh, star wars fandom uh either you could get on board with with the new stuff with the way rj did it or or you know whatever and who's calling who a fan and not a fan you know i think now that the dust is settled and this this you know a lot of this is what Jimmy was saying. You know, now the dust has settled, I think the the fan base is just evolving, if you will. And I think every fan is evolving in their own way now. Like, I, I, there was one point, Ro, you, you even knew me at this point, where I had to get my hands on every single piece of Star Wars literature that there was because, uh, I, you know, I you know, kind of had to prove it to myself that I was a fan. And I'm not that way now. Like I, I cannot read the new books that come out. Um, I can't read the the most of the comic books that come out. Uh, there, there's a there, you know, there's a few exceptions that are really good, but for the most part, I can't read those because you know they, you know, they are catering one way or another, um, and uh, you know they're not focusing on those universal themes that Jimmy was talking about. So you know we're 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 all just. I think we've all found our happy place. Like we know what we like and we're just going to stick with that. You know, uh, you, you like to have, you know, all the collectibles and the, and the antiques and this, I mean, and I, and I love the way the, the black series looks on the wall, you know, but we're, we're content that way. And, you know, I, I think we can all just let each other be fans now, however you want to do that, however that looks to you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we've probably given up on, you know, trying to define what it means to be a star Wars fan. And that's an interesting that's an interesting point. You know, we're, we're going to skip around the notes here because uh, you said something interesting regarding letting fans be fans in whatever stage, whatever stage you're at. Um, obviously, you know, years ago we only had three movies and everybody loved them kind of universally. Um, now there's so much Star Wars. 
like I said, you know, it, it's coming in from all sorts of angles. Is there one thing or are there a few things that you would love to see fans stop doing not only to themselves, but to each other? Um, one thing that, uh, irritates me <laughs> is, uh, I'm, I'm a big music lover. I, I like classic rock. I, grew up in as a kid listening to all these bands in the seventies. And then by the time I, w- I was like mid eighties and I'm old enough to start going to concerts and stuff, I was among the children in the room, you know? And, um, I always respected all the people who had been there carrying on with the fandom throughout the years before I was old enough to, to segue into it properly, you know? Um, And the last thing I would ever want to do was to go and start telling somebody who had established themselves within a fan base of a band. I I wouldn't go to a concert and tell them how to behave, you know, or um, tell them that the new stuff is good and the old stuff sucks. I would never do that Um, because I respect the integrity and the history of, of those, um, those bands. Right. Like, I'm going to roll into a Grateful Dead concert in 1984 and start telling all those old hippies how to act, okay? (laughs) That's kind of how I felt like as a fan who's been tightly connected to Star Wars since 1977. uh, When The Last Jedi hit and there was friction in the fan base. And um, the unfortunate thing is, is that Lucasfilm instigated a lot of that stuff insiders at lucasfilm instigated that kind of stuff and uh they really you know had people fired up about things you know everything you know from twitter to uh, there was a lot of twitter stuff going on sure (laughs) right and it was shocking to see that it was coming from people at lucasfilm as yeah. their way of dealing with criticism was to attack the fan base. Right. That's never going to work. <laughs> right. And it yeah. didn't always, work. always and backfires. Now, are we on the other end of the tunnel? I, I, I think um, we might be seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, but I know we're not on the other end of things. Yeah. Um, the wounds are still fresh with a lot of, a lot of fans sure. uh, who feel betrayed. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's 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 a piss poor way to run a franchise. I've been pretty outspoken about that kind of thing. Sure, um, giving uh, Chuck Wendig a, a keyboard uh, was probably <laughs> one of the worst things. And all the other authors, like you're you're speaking, like being in the Navy, I can't just start talking on behalf of of, of the Navy, right? There, we actually signed a contract; we're not allowed to do that, right? right? It's, it should be the same thing. You're not, you know, as somebody who writes for them, or you know acts for them or directs for them you're, you're part of that franchise so you can voice your own opinions but when it started coming from the voice of of star wars of lucasfilm like yeah i mean being personally attacked by the creators of you know of this franchise hmm. it, it, unbelievable well yeah and and chuck was the poster boy for a lot of that yeah. stuff and now he's a pariah he, he right. can't work on star wars anymore he's unhirable he's he he uh you know, and, and I was outspoken about it. I said that, you know, Lucasfilm should institute a social media policy and enforce it with their employees and be professional and understand that people are coming from different backgrounds and different influences and, and, and different perspectives. And you have to respect that to, to maintain the integrity of star Wars. You have to do that because star Wars works on the universal level and so chuck didn't heed anyone's warnings they were all right there and people were stop stop all of this chuck they were saying Mm. (laughs) and uh i was just but a voice in the crowd um and he didn't listen he just didn't listen he acted like a fool and didn't listen and lost his gig and like I said, now he is damaged goods in the publishing industry. Hmm. Yikes. Yeah. So that's how I, the, the cookie crumbles, you know, sure. and, and, and why it's dangerous for for any insider to be behaving in the ways Chuck was. 
I find it interesting because, you know, as, as fans of whatever, um, that fandom really seeps into the psyche of our, our own, you know, uh, personas it's 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 embedded in us and when somebody lifestyle right when somebody doesn't like what we like you uh, sometimes you know you can't help but to be offended because they're attacking you personally um sometimes fans i see that a lot i mean how you know you guys um jimmy you and your team have been doing rebel force radio for a long time what are some of the things that you've learned about fandom and or yourselves throughout that journey? Um, well, I know that like most people are genuine, generally nice, really nice people um, within the Star Wars fan community. Uh, there's a lot of sharing. There's a lot of generosity. There's a lot of uh, a sense of community and belonging. Um and that that's primarily what motivated me to start doing Star Wars podcasting way back in 2006 was because I wanted to have Star Wars friends. I wanted to go to a convention and say, hey, you know, I'm Jimmy Mack. Oh, you're Jimmy Mack. So nice to meet you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Finally, we meet in person. That kind of vibe, you know. Sure. And um, it's paid off. It's paid off big time. It, it's given me that. And so much more it's helped me network it's helped me make all kind of connections i mean people like you guys you know I, i'd never be guys like you and be talking about star wars unless we had this kind of uh community medium and this community sure. and all that stuff and it's all you know we, we all talk the same language we understand the same references we um it's a real communal thing and and i i think it's more fun that way because I was a Star Wars fan in isolation for so long, it felt mm, like. Yeah. And so with um, being able to tap into the fan community, which is something I always wanted to do, but I was never really uh, involved in like newsletters or fan clubs or, or websites, you know, uh, forums, message boards, none of that stuff. I, I would, I would lurk. I would, you know, check it out, but I wanted to be involved. And so when podcasting came on the scene, it, at first I was snotty about it because mm -hmm. I was uh, working in broadcast radio. And um, a few years prior to podcasting coming on my radar, I was able to do a radio special for CBS um, to promote uh Re revenge of the sith and so i went to star wars celebration in indianapolis and interviewed a bunch of actors and stuff and it was really a lot of fun i saw you from afar yeah did you i was i was there um yeah we snuck into the autograph hall in the morning before the doors opened me and my brother and um we we finagled all these interviews with the actors as they're walking in with their coffee and donuts. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and um and, and we had no permission to be there whatsoever. People kept saying, you know, we would we would listen closely for names when people they'd be like, Does Scott know you're doing this? And oh yeah, Scott knows we're doing this. And so the <laughs> next time somebody asked us, we said, No, Scott's cool with it. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very nowadays good. nowadays they'd be you know taking you out in a cop car but mm. uh, <laughs> but that's you know that was back then it was it was easier and and easier to navigate and um a, a media badge meant something back then too <laughs> nowadays right. it, it it doesn't mean anything but uh because you know they they give they dole them out to websites and podcasts mm -hmm. and stuff like that as opposed right. to like real journalists you right. know and i was coming from cbs radio so i felt like i had earned that media badge um but uh it's all those little things you know it 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 was just having a voice in the community when podcasting came on the scene i said okay now there's something i can do after i got over my initial snotty reaction to mm -hmm. where it was like Oh yeah, that's amateur hour, you know. And some of the first podcasts I heard, I thought, oh God, these sound terrible. Mm -hmm. But then I heard uh Jason Swank and Pete Natal, and they were doing a show uh for uh rebelscum.com and the force.net, the force cast. Jason named the show the force cast. And I stumbled across that because I was looking at those websites, and I would never listen to 
anything in the car commuting home from work because my wife was, she's also in radio. She's a talk show host. So she'd be on the air in the afternoon. And I always felt like compelled to listen to her. I, I was working at the same station. It was just, I had it locked in and that's what I listened to every day on my commute home. Well, she missed a week in December, 2006. She missed a few weeks because she had knee surgery. So I needed something to listen to on my commutes and I didn't have an iPad, iPod or anything like that, but I keep seeing these force casts, force casts. So I, I download them and burned them to CD and listened mm. to them in the car. <laughs> And I binged every episode they had. They'd only been on for like three months. And I binged every episode they had. And at some point during the, the binge, I said, I need to reach out to these guys because I like, I hear what they're doing, mm. but I don't know if, if they actually can get from point A to point B to point C. I think I can help them do that. And as a radio producer, it just seemed like natural. I, I did that CBS radio special. I had so much fun doing that. So I figured this would be more of that. And it really did turn out to be that way. At first, I just wanted to help the guys out. But I gradually became more and more part of the show. Um, and I would do little spin-off shows hosted by myself. And then Pete Nadel, the co-host, he stepped away in mid-2008. And so we tried to convince him to stay and everything. But he, he really, he was getting married. And it was just a whole lifestyle change for him. So he was, you know, already had a foot out the door. And after much consideration, I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll co-host because just because I wanted the show to keep going on. Sure. And, um, you know, just not thinking that I'd be able to handle it with all the other work responsibilities I had, family responsibilities and stuff. But it all happened pretty naturally. And I had a lot of energy for it. We never announced that I was replacing Pete. I just showed up the next week as co-host and the mm -hmm. show went on as always. And before anyone knew it, I had fully established myself as the co-host of the show. <laughs> and, um, and then around um, the Disney sale, that's when we decided we wanted to go independent. And as hard as it was to leave the force.net and rebelscum.com, uh, it was the right decision to, for us because um, we knew star Wars was going to blow up and be bigger than probably it ever had been before. I think we were right about that. And so we wanted to have full control over everything and being bam, boom, here we are, you know, yeah. 16 years later. Sure. I, you know, when I first started doing this, I, I said, I want to do this at least as long as Pete did it, mm -hmm. which was like two and a half years. And when I got to that two and a half year mark, I felt some, like, Wow, you know, that that's pretty good. I, I did what I set out I was going to do, um, said I was going to do. But now, you know, we're at 16 years, and I'm considering, like, the next 16 years. Sure, yeah. Like, this is nuts. Right. <laughs> this yeah. is nuts. And and then they keep coming out with good stuff, like The Mandalorian. And, right. Um, you know, Kenobi's coming up here in a few days, and there's just a lot to look forward to for Star Wars, so... There's Absolutely. no slowing down right now for us. Absolutely. No slowing down. <clears throat> um, and yeah, whether you're, you know, reviewing episodes, uh, you know, Brad and I, we're going to be doing some Saturday, um, Saturday night reviews when once Kenobi drops. Um, and, uh, you know, I forgot this pre-recorded. So in uh, this weekend, we're doing our first one. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> but um yeah brad and i started scarif uh in 2019 uh at the heels of uh celebration chicago um brad what have you learned about yourself and fans uh in the short time that we've had uh scarif scuttlebutt podcast uh social media is not real <laughs> and also it is the realest thing out there at the same time uh, <laughs> i say it's not real because it's so weird eh? Uh, you know, 100% of the, the opinions don't matter on there because, you know, if you want to talk to me, you can come talk to me in person or you know, on the show and we can discuss things that way. So it doesn't matter what people say on social media. But at the same time, when I say it's the realest thing, you know, some of the best friends, you know, Ro, yourself included, some of the best friends I've made in life, you know, we're, we're through social media and through mm -hmm. that community. And, you know, I've uh, gone through and you, you, Ro, you know, better than most. I've gone through some very hard times uh, in the past couple of years. And if it wasn't for this community, that it would have been that much harder. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
don't completely discount it either. And, you know, with, with Star Wars Celebration being here, I've told people many times, you know, you kind of owe it to yourself to get the Star Wars Celebration. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll add on to that a little bit. A Star Wars Celebration is also not cheap. So if you can't make it there, go to some place like ScarifCon in, in July. Go to a any Comic Con that comes through your area. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see the real fans, kind of like Jimmy Mack was saying, if you want to see the real fans and how they act with each other, go to one of these events because the vibe there is just nothing but positive. Like you, it's buzzing in, in the line to get into the front door. Um, and you just geek out with every single cosplay that walks by you. And then you'll get to a perfect stranger and you'll find out what first Star Wars movie they saw when they were a kid. And you'll talk to them like you've known them for the last 20, 30 years. So, you know, you know, do yourself a favor, get to one of these events at, at some point, And then you'll experience what the fandom actually is and what kind of awesome community it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of ScarifCon, Jimmy, we're going to see you this summer, right? All right, so it's going to be in Rosemont at the at Bill Murray's Caddyshack, right? Is that what's that is, happening? That is correct. Okay, yeah, I'll be there. Dominic will be in town. He's a good guy. He's a fantastic know. guy. Uh, celebrating some uh, some really cool stuff with Dominic. He's got his first um, officially licensed Lucasfilm product. And uh, there you go. <laughs> I just tiki. happened to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Tiki. Yeah, he was nice enough to send me one. He signed That's it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna yeah. he's gonna have a couple on hand, hopefully. <laughs> I have not gotten mine yet because I want to get it from him um yeah. uh this summer. So that will be a lot of fun. And I know uh Rob from Jedi Temple Archives and Greg from Rebel Base Card um have uh, featured a couple of uh Twitter posts with uh with their uh tiki mug. Very nice first uh image there. And I know he's got some more announcements. We've got uh, hopefully a, a comic book that's uh, coming out with a variant cover, which should be uh, pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, we'll get to hang out with uh, with Dominic, uh, a couple of the 501st, our friends from WSDR Galactic Public Access. Um, it's always fun hanging out with stormtroopers. I don't know what it is, man. But uh, when I first went to um, the... Uh, the premiere of episode one, the Phantom Menace, there were stormtroopers walking up and down Hollywood and Vine. And I thought that was so awesome. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I saw cosplaying, it was, uh, we went to the media premiere of the, let me just put this thing away, of the, uh, the special edition. It was hosted by Q101. My wife, Wendy, was hosting mornings on Q101 at the time. And it was a media screening slash promotion. So she was giving away tickets, you know, see the Star Wars special edition before anyone else. And while it, this was at uh, McClurg Court downtown. Oh, I miss McClurg. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was I a mean, great Because that was just like those big, vast open yeah. auditoriums with the giant screen and the curtains and all yeah. of that. Uh, that was the go-to place to see mm-hmm. movies downtown for the longest time. Uh, now it's, I think, an AMC multiplex. But um, we're sitting there, and uh, I was in line behind Boba Fett. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was just, like, yeah. checking out the backpack. I was freaking out because the only time I had ever seen homemade Stormtrooper gear and things like that was on the fan film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a cop's knockoff. Troops. Right, Troops. Troops. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, fans made those costumes. That's, mm. I'm impressed. Right. Because as a kid, I always thought it would be cool to be in a Star Wars movie as a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Just to be in the movie as a stormtrooper. I thought that would be the coolest damn thing. And now people in the 501st, they're, they're living that dream all the time. Yeah. I have never suited up in armor. I'm not a big costume guy. And it seems like a lot of people associate fandom with costuming. Yeah. Like you're not a fan unless you're walking around wearing a costume, but I don't quite see it that way. Oh, there you have a helmet. You have a stormtrooper helmet. I've got a suit, but I've got to fix it because uh, it's a little tight around the waist. If you know what I mean, <laughs> I I'm sure I know exactly what you mean. My, my trooper armor would be XL for sure. 
and uh, with, with a belt so that I can loosen. Yeah, loosen. maybe maybe right. a Velcro type of belt that I can take off. But uh, <laughs> I like I said, I've never trooped or anything. I've never even come close. The closest I've come is I have this Chewbacca coat from oh. Mark Echo, and it has right. a hood, and it's all chewy fur, right. and it has a bandolier. Right. Yeah, I wear that, that on Halloween when I'm giving out the tricks or, sure. to, or the treats to all the kids, you can, uh, you can now cosplay as Kenobi. Just put, get, get like a little burlap sack or something. And uh, you're on Tatooine. There it's you like go. The, the Emperor. Yeah, I, I wore go. that chewy. I wore that chewy jacket to, to dragon con a couple of years ago and I got credit for it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling it cosplay. Uh, yes. I was. I hey, where's Jimmy Mecca? Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, that, that disguise. I, he was gone. Put the hood up. Um, I wore that Wookiee coat to the white Sox star wars day and we all marched around the infield or the uh, warning track at the ballpark we marched around the warning track in a parade before the game began and as i was approaching the the visitors dugout there was a really really great looking sideline reporter there and she was standing in front of the camera and um, with the mic and everything. And I walked by her and she goes, oh, my God, how hot are you? Because I had the coat with the and it was yeah. hot. It was, you know, like a July, yeah. July or August. And I just said, you know, not as hot as you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and she, 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 she went like that, you know, put her hand over her mouth and then turned and started talking right into the camera. That's funny. I tracked down the footage because I was dying to see if they caught that moment and it what was seconds second i think it was kansas city i'd have to go oh, okay. back and look i can't remember um but uh i i did look up the footage and, I, and she was actually signing off for good she was going off to another gig oh, and wow. that was her last day as sideline reporter wow. for that team and so nice. <laughs> so I, I i missed it by, by that much you know <laughs> She goes, how hot are you? And, and right. she was great looking too. I so we'd be say. remiss if we if we didn't talk about it. And you mentioned it a couple minutes ago. We got Kenobi coming out here. So we we we've, we've gotten the trailers now. How excited are you for Kenobi? Or are you like myself, too reserved right now, too uh, cautious yeah. right now to be very excited? I don't know if cautious is the word, but I'm sort of just. Um, Ambivalent, really guarded, guarded, maybe guarded. I don't feel guarded. I, I think Ewan McGregor is gonna be great. I look forward to seeing more Darth Vader action. I just, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting a little jaded because of the amount of Star Wars content that has been coming out over the last several years. From the films to the animated series to the you're streaming not, series. You're not one of those Star Wars fatigue kind of guys, are you? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not fatigue because, like I said, every day is Star Wars day. Sure. It's, I'm always doing something Star Wars. It's not fatigue. It's just almost a feeling like a, a little bit of, of – um, oh, there's – I, I don't want to say tarnish. I just want to say like some of the luster is worn off. Like sure. it's not as – it doesn't make me like weak in the knees thinking about, oh, in just a few weeks, we're going to see the continuing adventures of, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't, I don't have that reaction. I Now, once it starts going. Sure. Then you're on I the, think then I'll be really anticipating yeah. each weekly episode as I had with the Mandalorian, as I had with the book of Boba Fett. I would say to myself, oh, you know what? Tomorrow is a new Boba Fett episode. Awesome. You know, I, I really started looking forward to it. I I don't feel like I'm looking forward to Kenobi as much as I should be. Maybe it's just because we've been waiting for it for three years and it just seems like it's been in development forever. First as a film, now as a streaming series. And um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting territory they can take the story into. Sure. Um. I, I don't know, you know, I why do I feel just like sort of yeah. you know, I, I, I just don't feel any I don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> Once it starts going, I'm sure I'll be pretty excited. Maybe it's because it's happening the same week this big Anaheim thing is happening, and we have a few things going on there, and so I've been really just distracted. 
Do you think, you know, back in the day, we had to wait three years in between movies yeah. and then a long time after that, um, you know, Star Wars, uh, you know, with me and my friends, it was like an event. We would uh, have dinner, drinks, and then go to the theater. It was like yeah. one big tentpole thing. Now it's not, do you feel like it's been watered down? It's not as special? Yes, that's that's probably okay. why I feel that. Right. Way. It, it, it It's special to me, you know, sure. still, I mean. But um, as far as the anticipation factor goes, I think that's become watered down. Sure. Because there's constant releases happening, constant releases happening. Well, you know, so um, so I think I've just kind of fallen into that groove a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. And, you know, once Kenobi's over, then what? Andor? You know, it, it's just going to, the, the dominoes are just going to keep falling. So maybe I'm trying to just be conservative with my energy a little bit and, and, and save, save, save it for when it happens Yeah, as opposed to being uh, so wrapped up in anticipation. And um, I, I have enjoyed a lot of the what if conversations that we've been having on rebel force radio mm -hmm. uh, with my, me and Jason and our guests and our callers I've heard some wild theories being mm -hmm. thrown out there and in crazy speculation and I, sure. that stuff. I love, right. I love it. And then people will come back and say, Oh, you know what you said about Kenobi that actually happened. I was, oh, I, Oh yeah. I remember predicting that mm -hmm. or, you know, Whoa, you were way off. Right. And I was like, well, I know I was way off, but like the crazier <laughs> the speculation is sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy fun. that. I enjoy that. That's always fun. I know you got uh, just a couple of minutes left, but we didn't want you to leave the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast without uh, doing a quick little Q&A that we had set up for you, a little segment we like to call Sentry Mode. Okay. Stand, stand by for the graphic. This is Sentry Mode. Nice. And I would like to um, offer, before we start, I would like to offer you uh, extend an invitation whenever you want to come back, uh, especially with uh, Kenobi dropping um, in the next couple of weeks. We do our show Saturday nights at 7 Central. I know you were also in Chicago, so uh, math is hard. I can't convert worth shit. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, whenever, whenever you'd like to come in and talk about uh, a Kenobi episode, we are breaking that down on Saturdays on YouTube, Scarif Live. But uh, well, maybe if that happens, maybe if that happens in your collection room, I could come check it out. Then. Absolutely. Maybe I'll, I'll crash your pad. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. I, right. I, I see a little bit back there. It's just a, a little tease. I, I oh, think. yeah. Um, I've got uh, my boss back here. Darth Vader. Some other stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, this this room is wall to wall. Um, the only thing is not covered is the ceilings, but uh, that could change at any moment. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sentry Mode. Uh, Brad whipped up some really great questions. Uh, we will uh, piggyback off of uh, each other's um, Q&A here. Uh, let's have Brad start with question number one. All right, so uh, as today is May 25th, uh, anniversary of uh, A New Hope, all of our trivia questions today are in regards to Episode 4, A New Hope, and we know you'll probably just knock all these out of the park. Uh, so here we go. Uh, question number one, what toy was Luke playing with when he was speaking with 3PO uh, at the homestead? T-16 Skyhopper. You got it. All Very nice. Roll. On roll. Roll. And the special edition, what ship could be seen taking off from Moss Eisley? The Outrider Dash Rendar ship. Nailing it. Mm -hmm. Love that question. <laughs> question three, what ship was Darth Vader flying uh, in the Death Star Trench? Oh, like the tie advanced? Is that what is yep. that the answer we're looking for? Tie advanced. advanced. Yeah, okay. Of course, you'd have it ready to get ready to go. <laughs> I call it Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like the old Kenner box that I bought exactly. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> question number three. What is it? Three or four? You're on question four. Four. What He's job? Yeah. What job did three PO claim to have when Lars said he needed a droid that could speak to moisture evaporators? He had experience programming binary load lifters. <laughs> Nail it. Very, very similar. Very, nice. very similar in that regard. All right. So let's make it a clean sweep. Let's make it five for five. And this one is probably the easiest one of all. 
What was the call sign of the unfortunate Death Star Stormtrooper who claimed to have some uh, communication issues ah. when he wasn't at his post? That bastard, TK421. TK421, five <laughs> for five. Good job, Jimmy Mack. Yeah. Very, very nice. Very nice. There's a, a book called uh, Star Wars, A Certain Point of View. And they take some wild liberties with that character, TK421. Let me tell you, wild liberties. You want to talk about a hit or miss book? Some of those stories were okay. Ooh. Some of them are just uh, kindling, kindling. Wow. Is that the same series where R5D4 uses the Force? No, that's uh, Skippy the Jedi droid, which was uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in the very first edition very of nice. Star Wars Tales from Dark Horse. And we want to talk about Tarkin uh, in a certain point of view. We weren't, we're not going there. It's the uh, same story. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us yeah. here on this very special May 25th on Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, you are welcomed anytime, my friend, but we will definitely see you in July uh, at Rosemont, July 23rd for a little celebration. Uh, Star Wars fandom, um, it's uh, alive and kicking. Every Anybody that says otherwise, uh, I think is wrong. Uh, but here we are talking about Star Wars many, many decades later. Still loving the franchise. Um, tell the folks where folk can find you. And I'm sure that's a mood point because, like I said at the top of the broadcast, you guys are the number one top-rated Star Wars podcast. Well, thanks, man. Um, we can be found at rebelforceradio.com. Uh, we're on YouTube at youtube.com slash rebelforceradio. Uh, wherever podcasts can be found. That's what they say. And it's true. We're, we're everywhere. Kind of like the coronavirus. We are everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we hope we will uh, outlast the coronavirus as well. But Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Guys, it's been a pleasure. Really. Thank you so much. Thank you um, so much. And, you know, we're local guys. So we have to uh, maintain our, our uh, local Chicago Star Wars fan bubble. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm really happy anytime I could connect with anybody who's from this area. I, I've tried varying degrees to like infiltrate local fan groups here and there over the years. And I just never was really able to connect with people. But via podcasting, mm -hmm. I, I've really been able to find a lot of people yeah. that I get along with great when it comes to Star Wars. So we'll definitely do a, you to the yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely do a uh, Chicago pod. Uh, I know Greg from Rebel Base Card. You've met him last time at ScarifCon. We've got uh, Todd and the team at WSTR Galactic Public Access who are also here in Chicago. We see him at C2E2 all the time mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, met them at Star Wars Celebration back in 19. Um, but uh, absolutely, my friend, Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, I know you guys are the source for the force, but there you here go. we are. What are we, Brad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's to uh, Celebration. Here's to Kenobi. And here's to this next 16 years of podcasting. Thank right, you, brother. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Talk to everybody later.